You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. All right, kids, we got some kids here? We do. Who can tell me what prayer is? I think that's right. Yeah. I'll interpret that, and I think what was said there was it's a way to talk with God. Very profound. Well done. <laughs> um, talking with God, having a conversation with God. Has Kids, have you ever heard God speak to you? Yes, Olivia's nodding. What did it sound like? Like a dream, yeah? God spoke to you in a dream? Absolutely. Sometimes God can speak to us in our, in our heads or in our hearts, in our spirit. And sometimes, more, less usual than, less unusual, I'll start again, more unusual than the norm, but sometimes God can speak audibly in such a way that we at least hear it as an audible voice. What about this, kids? We can pray and we should pray after all, prayer is how we talk to God and get to know him. But have you ever stopped to think, does Jesus pray? What do you reckon, kids? Does Jesus pray? He prayed in, in the Bible, didn't he? We see that he did that. But what about now? Does Jesus pray for me? Well, this is pretty incredible. Scripture says that Jesus does. Jesus loves and cares for you so much that he actually prays for us. The Bible tells us, it's a fancy word, it says that he intercedes for you nonstop, all the time. Jesus actually never stops praying for you. Isn't that amazing? Well, today as we wrap up our Gentle and Lowly series, we're going to explore another key way that Jesus' gentle and lowly heart, his character, is expressed towards us. And today we're going to reflect on this incredible thought, as Hebrews 7.25 says, that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. Wow. Let's pray as we still our minds and hearts and allow Holy Spirit to, to comfort us through his word today. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and still our hearts. Lord, where, there, where there's tension, we pray that you would bring release. Where there's a storm, God, we, we, we invite you to, to say, be still as you've done before. God, we want to connect with you. We want to hear your voice. We want to hear you speaking direct to our spirits, bringing hope, bringing encouragement, stirring our affections for you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way in each of our hearts this morning as we reflect on this profound reality that not only do you care, not only do you love us and not only have you demonstrated your love for us, but you continue to love us. And one way in which that's manifest is through your constant intercession on our behalf. So God, 
speak to us for all your servants are listening and would you move in power as only you can this morning we pray in jesus name amen all right let's turn to hebrews chapter 7 and they're up on the screen too reading from verse 22 through 28 the writer of hebrews writes this makes jesus the guarantor of a better covenant the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office but he speaking of jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever consequently he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to god through him since he always lives to make intercession for them for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest holy innocent unstained separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens he has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily first for his own sins and then for those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever now let's get in context first so this passage is building on ideas and themes already explored through the book of hebrews but especially those in hebrews chapters 3 to 5 where the writer of hebrews speaks of jesus as being greater greater than moses and a great high priest and jesus is we see jesus is greater than all priests who have come before him because unlike all of them human beings fully human jesus didn't need to offer sacrifices for his own sin because he was without sin and god set jesus apart to be a high priest because you look hebrews talks about it it was actually his father who declared jesus to be a high priest reading hebrews 5 6 says you will be a priest forever after the order of melchizedek and being made a high priest the great high priest perfect and completely free from sin jesus as hebrews 5 9 explains became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him and then the writer in hebrews 7 22 as as they say this makes jesus the guarantor of a better covenant who's with me today who's still with me believe it or not believe it or not like that that's sounds a little bit abstract doesn't it a little complicated but believe it or not the writer of hebrews actually talks about all that i've just shared as being the elementary doctrine of christ like that's interesting isn't it we kind of think of that and think maybe that's a little more advanced no no no. he's saying no this is the elementary stuff we need to understand this we need to grasp this not in our heads but in our hearts we need to feel this all of it can get a little confusing though can't it so i'll just try and sum it up very quickly in three quick lines so the writer of hebrews goes to great lengths to describe who jesus is how he functions as an eternal perfect high priest and then what this practically means for anyone who puts their faith in him yeah does that make sense so describes who jesus is 
how he functions as an eternal perfect high priest and what this practically means for us. This is the context for today's passage. So let's read it again. Hebrews 7, 22 to 28. It says, This, all of what we've just talked about, makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sin and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that amazing? Jesus, the guarantor of a better covenant. Jerry spoke about a covenant before. Jesus, the guarantor of the best covenant, the greatest covenant. Jesus, the permanent priest who continues not just for a human lifespan, but forever, for all eternity. Jesus, able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. And Jesus, what we're reflecting on today, Jesus, who always lives to make intercession for them, for anyone who draws near to God through him. Maybe you've been here before when it comes to your perception of Jesus. Perhaps you've, you've thought, like, like Jerry was, was sharing about, you know, remembering back to the work that Jesus has done, you know, thinking about Jesus' work back then and his earthly ministry on the cross, and then Jesus' work one day when he comes again to finish the work, wrap it all up, put a big full stop, that's the end, that's enough. Just like, you know, Jesus won the victory over sin and death when he gave his life and died on the cross, justifying us, making us right with God, Romans 5.1 talks about, way back then. And then Jesus, through his earthly ministry, acting in love, showing mercy, drawing near to those suffering with compassion, doing that work way back then. And, but for whatever reason, perhaps you're at a place in your relationship with God where you're, you're tempted to think that Jesus just isn't doing a whole lot right now. Jesus ain't doing much at all. You know, he, he left earth. He went in order that the that Holy Spirit could come and Jesus is kind of on a deck chair or something, just having a rest until he returns to usher in the restored heavens and earth, eliminating brokenness and pain and all suffering once and for all. Maybe that has been how you've perceived Jesus or maybe it's how you perceive him even today. Dane Ortland in Gentle and Lowly, the book we've been reflecting on in this series, he shares these insightful thoughts. He writes, what is Jesus doing now? Well, we don't have to speculate. The Bible tells us he is interceding for us. Justification, being made right with God, is tied to what Christ did in the past. Intercession is what he is doing in the present. Think of it this way. Christ's heart is a steady reality flowing through time. 
It isn't as if his heart throbbed for his people when he was on earth, but has dissipated now that he is in heaven. It's not that his heart was flowing forth in a burst of mercy that took him all the way to the cross, but has now cooled down, settling back once more into kindly indifference. His heart, hear this, friends, hear this today, his heart is as drawn to his people now as it ever was in his incarnate state when he walked the earth. And the present manifestation of his heart for his people is this, his constant interceding on their behalf. What, what is intercession? What, what is intercession? Well, I'll start with a human example before we think of a, there's the spiritual reality. So to use a human example, intercession happens often. Think of, a, think of a player agent, for instance. A player agent who represents a sporting superstar. Maybe in the AFLW, they're, they're pushing out a, a new contract. They're trying hard to, to work out what's going to be good for the player. And what, what's the role of the player agent? They don't care about the club. Their only concern is their person they're representing. And they represent that person. They'll go into bat for that person. They'll constantly plead their case and, and make requests on behalf of that player. Yeah? They advocate. They intercede on her behalf. And in a spiritual sense, it's, it's really as simple as this. Jesus intercedes on our behalf before his Father. In other words, Jesus represents us. He advocates for us. Yeah? Now you might be thinking, well, hang on a minute. Jesus' work is finished. We just, we just reflected on that just before with communion. Jesus' work is finished and it, and it was finished on that cross. I've placed my faith in him. I've, I've repented. I'm, I'm forgiven in full. That's what I believe. Why would Jesus need to plead or intercede on my behalf? Was there something lacking in what he did? 2,000 years ago on the cross. Well, let's be clear here. Not at all. Not at all. Jesus' work on the cross accomplished absolutely everything it needed to accomplish. Eternal salvation for all, should we choose it, for all time, should we continue in it. Yeah? Amen? Here's what Jesus' intercession is doing, as Ortland explains. Intercession applies what the atonement accomplished. Christ's present heavenly intercession on our behalf is a reflect of the fullness and victory and completeness of his earth work, not a reflection of anything lacking in his earth work. The atonement accomplished our salvation. Intercession is the moment-by-moment application of that atoning work. I love this line. In the past, Jesus did what he now talks about. In the present... Jesus talks about what he then did. Intercession is the constant hitting refresh on our justific- of our justification in the court of heaven. His interceding for us reflects his heart, the same heart that carried him through life and down into death on behalf of his people is the heart that now manifests itself in constant pleading with and reminding and prevailing upon his Father to always welcome us. Hear this. Understand this. Feel this today, friends. 
Jesus is so delighted in you. Jesus is so consumed with love for you that he just can't help but pour out his heart of love to his Father on your behalf. Now, Jesus looks at Leanne here in the front row and he says, I love my sister Leanne. She's mine. She's my adopted child, my precious daughter. I take delight in her. She's been cleansed by my blood. She's perfect in my sight. I'm overjoyed as I look at her and I see her heart to honour me, to connect with me, to enjoy me, to serve me. I am for Leanne and I will be for her and with her to the very end. That's the heart of Jesus, our Saviour. Gentle and lowly in heart for Leanne. But let's just make it abundantly clear. This is the same heart that Jesus has for anyone, any of us who trust and abide in him today. In... In um, the book, Dane Ortland uses an illustration of, of a running race. And he talks about how in a, in a track race, what generally happens, you know, is that Jesus would be like, a, like a, an older brother, so to speak, at a track meet, watching a younger sibling run. Even if the younger sibling is, is streets ahead, you know, streets ahead, guaranteed to win the race, what's the older brother going to do? What's the older brother going to do? They're going to sit back down, take their seats and just zip their lips? Of course not. Not at all. As Ortland writes, he says, that older brother, he's yelling at the top of his lungs. Exclamations of encouragement, of affirmation, of celebration, of victory, of solidarity. He cannot be quieted. So with our older brother, that's Jesus. You know, Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. He doesn't stop. He doesn't sit on a deck chair, twiddle his thumbs. I wonder what I'm going to do today. Jesus doesn't rest. He constantly intercedes for you. And he does so because he is captured by each and every one of us. That's his heart. Isn't that an incredible truth? Like, really, if if you're a follower of Christ today, does that hit home? Does that hit home that the saviour of the world hasn't only saved you, but he continues to talk with his father and cheer you on and talk you up and talk about all the wonderful things and the beautiful heart and just how he's captured by you before his father. Isn't that incredible? Do you feel the weight of that in your spirit? Maybe you're here today and maybe you're depressed. Maybe you feel like, and you've even chatted with a doctor about feelings of low self-esteem. And look, we all, we all face different challenges and, and that's something that we can face in this life. Can I encourage you, hear the heart of Jesus today. Hear the heart of Jesus today. Hear the heart of Jesus today, but only hear it, believe it today. That is who Jesus, that is how 
into you, Jesus is. Sounds a bit strange, Jesus is into you, but he is. He is passionately all for you. How incredible is our God. Now, I'll just add one quick point. Um, Dane Ortland clarifies this in detail in the book, so do yourself a favour, grab a coffee, and you can read that argument fully fleshed out. But this is really important for us to recognise. This is so important. So hear this today. Really hear this. Please hear this. So many Christians I have met over the years have not got this even into their final years. So hear this, hear this, hear this. You're going to hear it? Okay, good. This is important. Jesus doesn't intercede on our behalf to try and get his father back on our side. Yeah? Jesus isn't, let's just put this, make this abundantly clear. Jesus doesn't intercede on our behalf to try and get his father back on our side like get us back in the good books somehow, right? Jesus isn't the only gentle and lowly one. If we think of God, Trinitarian God, individual persons, one in nature and substance, God has the same, Father God has the same heart as Son Jesus, yeah? God, Jesus isn't the only gentle and lowly in heart, one with, with God our Father being like, detached and ambivalent towards us, not at all. Father God delights in all that his son delights in. As Ortland writes, he says, the father is not reluctant to embrace us. The atoning work of the son was something the father and the son delightedly agreed to together in eternity past. The son's intercession does not reflect the coolness of the father, but the sheer warmth of the son. Christ does not intercede because the Father's heart is tepid towards us, but because the Son's heart is so full towards us. Listen to this. But the Father's own deepest delight is to say yes to the Son's pleading on our behalf. That's so, so good, isn't it? Jesus' heart is for you, and Father God takes delight in you, just as much as Jesus takes delight in you. So good. All right. And this Jesus, gentle and lowly in heart Jesus, who Hebrews 7.25 says always lives to make intercession for us, this Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Hebrews 7.25, we read, Consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. This phrase, save to the uttermost, is one word in Greek, pantales, which means completely, perfectly, utterly. It describes comprehensiveness, completeness, exhaustive wholeness, this is what Jesus does for people who draw near to God through faith in him. He saves sufferers. He saves sinners. You and I who, in a sense, let's be real, we sin to the uttermost. The writer of Hebrews says, yes, and Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. Now, 
you, you might think, well, of course he does. Jesus is the saviour of the world. Of course he saves us completely. Why even make that a point this morning? Well, quite simple really because I think I said this in the first message in our series. It's all well and good to believe and, and hold to certain beliefs but it's another thing altogether to, to believe and hold to these beliefs and then to allow God to work on them so they actually take root in our hearts. You know what I'm saying? What, what was the issue with the Pharisees? Well, there was a lot of issues, but what, what was one of the issues? One of the main issues with the Pharisees were they were so caught up in the ritual and all these things like a to-do list of what to do that they missed the very heart of why they were doing the things they were doing. Didn't they? They, they knew it all. They, they knew the answers. They were ones in the day who had access to, to um, scriptures. And yet they, they believed. They, they held beliefs. They, they held to certain things. But they didn't actually change their hearts. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah that he actually was. Here's what Ortland says. He says, this is why I'm drawing this out as a point. We all tend to have some small pocket of our life where we have difficulty believing the forgiveness of God reaches. We say we're forgiven, totally forgiven, and we sincerely believe our sins are forgiven, Pretty much, anyway. But there's that one deep, dark part of our lives, even our present lives, that seems so intractable, so ugly, so beyond recovery. To the uttermost, in Hebrews 7.25, means God's forgiving, redeeming, restoring touch reaches down into the darkest crevices of our souls those places where we are most ashamed, most defeated. More than this, those crevices of sin are themselves the places where Christ loves us the most. His heart willingly goes there. His heart is most strongly drawn there. He knows us to the uttermost and he saves us to the uttermost because his heart is drawn out to us to the uttermost. We cannot sin our way out of his tender care. Friends, this is the heart of Jesus. He is drawn to you. Your past sin doesn't scare him. Your current sin doesn't push him away either. And here, his Here's something to actually believe as well. Your future sin ain't going to do that either. Jesus' heart is such, it's so composed that his heart is actually drawn to sinners and sufferers. He prays for you. In fact, this is mind-blowing. If your heart is reaching out towards him, even in this moment right now, he is right now at this very moment interceding on your behalf. To quote Ortland one final time, he writes, Our sinning goes to the uttermost, but his saving goes to the uttermost. 
and his saving always outpaces and overwhelms our sinning because he always lives to intercede for us. Wow. Friends, Jesus is gentle and lowly. It's who he is. Jesus looks on people. He looks on us. He looks on sinful me as we sin, as we suffer in this world, as we go through hard things in life. He looks on us with compassion and he's drawn, his heart, his heart leads him in such a way that he wants to go there. He sees us and he's drawn to us. He wants to show mercy and grace. And Jesus doesn't stop interceding on our behalf, on anyone's behalf who chooses to draw near to Father God through faith in him. Now, friends, I've, I've said this every week in our series, but I'm going to say it again. Are you drawing near to God through faith in Jesus? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you finding rest? Are you finding rest? Rest for your soul in relationship with Jesus. It doesn't matter if you've followed Jesus for years. It doesn't matter if you're, you're here or, or watching online and, and you know, you're, you're even thinking right now about following Jesus as you, as you feel this sense inside. And maybe, well, I know what it is. It's Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, ministering to you convicting you of sin, revealing his heart to you personally. Maybe this is the day to turn to Jesus for the first time. All of us, doesn't matter whether we've been a faithful follower of Jesus for decades and we're in our final years here on earth, maybe, or whether we're, we're just starting out on the journey, this is a move that all of us need to make. A posture, a daily rhythm, a routine, a heart attitude on our behalf that we all need to return to each and every day of our lives. So will you do that? Will you use today as an opportunity to set yourself right before the Lord, before Jesus, gentle and lowly in heart? We're just going to have some time for some prayer now as we close. And why don't we just sit where we are and just close our eyes and and we'll wait on Holy Spirit together. Thank you, Holy Spirit.